Welcome to the party, everybody. You're listening to episode two of How the Fuck Did We Get Here, the worst culture podcast on the web. I'm here with Mason. And Nader. Oh. On this podcast, we trace modern cultural phenomena back to their roots to try to answer the question, how the fuck did we get here? On this episode, we're coming back to hip-hop to cover one of the hottest rap subgenres of the past decade, Drill. Now, drill can be a little hard to define. Lyrically, it revolves around life in the street, gangs, drugs, drug dealing, killing and being killed, all that kind of stuff. And on paper, that sounds a lot like gangster rap or trap, and it definitely does take influence from both of those genres. In fact, you could probably call trap the parent genre of American drill. But I would make the case that there are some distinct differences. In my opinion, drill generally tends to be a little bit more specific in a way. Like, a lot of the time, drill music tends to lean more heavily on locality. Local gang beefs, local lingo, the local gang sets, and even specific local crimes a lot of the time. I guess that a more succinct way to put that would be that while gangster rap and trap have always focused on life in the hood in general, Drill music tends to zero in on lives in a hood, but I'll get a little bit more into that later. See, Drill originally comes out of Chicago, and the popularity of the original Chicago scene, which includes artists like Chief Keef, Fredo Santana, and Lil Durk, allowed this subgenre to cross the pond and spawn a prolific UK scene, which includes artists like Hetty One, Dutchavelli, Stefflon Don, and Digga D. These UK drillers heavily influenced the third drill scene that we intend to cover today, New York. And this scene boasts artists such as 22G's, 5EO Foreign, and the late, great Pop Smoke. So, the thing about the inception of drill is that it's super heavily tied to the Chicago gang culture, to the point where, in order to understand where drill really came from, we have to understand at least a little bit about Chirac gangland. So, I'm gonna jump into that. Now, given that I am by no means a gang historian, I'm just going to give a relatively brief rundown of Chicago gang culture post-1950-ish. There is a much longer, extremely storied history of gang culture in Chicago that could probably have a whole podcast dedicated to it, but I'm not trying to get lost in the weeds on that. See, early on in the 50s, industry was booming in Chicago, and as a result, a large number of black families moved to Chicago from the South, both seeking work and attempting to escape the brutal discrimination that they faced there. Unfortunately, the industries that existed in Chicago and employed many of these families would not remain profitable, and ended up either shutting down or moving elsewhere. This created rampant poverty within the black community. When this was coupled with discriminatory housing policies directed at black families and the already high racial tensions within Chicago, the result was a brutal situation for the black communities of the area. Hoping to defend themselves against the violence and bullying that they were facing, as well as seeking ways to escape the poverty that they had found themselves in, a number of groups of black men decided to band together and form gangs. These gangs were formed with the intent of protecting themselves and making money through any means possible which mostly involved crime due to the discrimination and severe lack of employment. 
I'm gonna skip over some of the really early gang politics, but suffice to say that by the 60s and 70s, the Chicago gangland scene was dominated by a few large rival gangs. These guys were basically mafia families, and like the mafia, or like Wall Street, if there was money to be made at the expense of human life, they were there for it. Drug dealing, drug running, prostitution rings, murder, prison protection especially, these dudes did all of it. Some of these gangs include the Black Disciples, founded in 1966, the Gangster Disciples, founded in the late 60s, and the Almighty P. Blackstone Nation, founded in 1958 in the Woodlawn neighborhood of Chicago, an area that we will be coming back to very shortly. Now, as I said, initially these guys were running the show, but by the early and mid-2000s, the leaders of these gangs were largely out of commission, and this was primarily as a result of either death or life sentences. And around the same time that this was going on, the large high-rise project buildings that acted as headquarters for these larger gangs started getting demolished for numerous different reasons. And as a result, unity within the gangs started to fall apart a little bit, and splinter groups started to form. Now, most of these smaller splinter sets did remain affiliated with the original gangs and largely carried on their rivalries, but with many of the major bases of operations torn down, the vast majority started forming primarily based around geography. See, the way that it worked is that groups that lived in the same area would band together and form a set for the sake of claiming turf and having each other's backs, and this is where the modern gang culture that we know starts to emerge. Some of the sets that you may be familiar with include the Black Disciples allied O-Block, where Chief Keefe hails from, and the Gangster Disciples allied Tukaville, home to Flyboy Gang, which includes such artists as the late FBG Duck and FBG Lil J. This is also partially where you can start to see the differences between the more general gangster rap or trap and drill music. And it's also where the Chicago gang scene starts to come into the genre as a whole. See, many drill rappers use their music as a vehicle for shouting out their specific sets, as well as taunting rival sets, and claiming, without really directly claiming, murders that they carried out against their ops. If you've ever heard Chief Keef reference smoking on a Tuca pack, this is him mocking Tukaville, which is named after their dead member, Tuca. What was the point of them getting into music? Was it just sort of like something they were interested in, so like certain people did it and rolled with it? Or is it set versus set, and this is what we do? We kind of like rap at each other type thing, make music at each other. It's kind of a couple different things. I mean, there's always the the fact that I think that just humans in general are always going to, you know, push towards art and music, and especially rap is something that had kind of been shown to have been uh, profitable for people who were stuck in kind of not great positions in life generally. You know what I mean? Like, you know mm -hmm. how... Uh, on the last episode, we talked about how uh, trap rappers who had kind of gone from living in the trap, selling crack to mainstream artists through rapping about their lifestyles. So on top of, you know, just a general interest in music and a potential way to make it out of the situations they were in, there was also that element of the beefs and the rivalries. But I think that the rapping about the beefs and the rivalries more came out of that's just what they were living and they wanted to make the music for the sake of making music and getting out of the street. So the gangs and rivalries were going to be in the music because that's what they knew. Yeah, and then it blows up, and then you have, like, kids in the suburbs that like this music now and kind of, like, roll with it, right? 
Exactly. And then you've got like 13 year old white kids running around talking about fucking smoking on a Tuca pack because they're quoting Chief Keef lyrics. And in real life, that was your dead friend who got gunned down at 15 because gang violence is fucking brutal. Fucking 15. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's brutal. Anyways, uh, speaking of Chief Keef, a lot of people are quick to say that Chief Keef invented drill, and while he was definitely instrumental in popularizing it, to say that he invented it is kind of like saying that Elvis invented rock and roll, or that Mason invented smelling like a piss boy. Yeah, uh, piss boy. <laughs> you look like you smell, bro. They're both definitely <laughs> good at what they do, but invent it, they did not. As far as who actually invented drill, that honor can pretty safely be awarded to an artist named Pac-Man. And a big part of that would be due to the fact that Pac-Man coined the term drill in a musical sense. See, the term drill existed in gang culture way before it became a musical style or a genre. And it generally refers to killing someone. Even in the music now, drilling generally refers to killing somebody. Now, I've heard that it can refer to a range of different activities, uh, including, you know, fucking, getting down at a party, or apparently even women doing their makeup, but it's pretty tough to vouch for the veracity of its other meanings. But uh, anyways, Pac-Man was the first artist to bring the term to music in about 2010 with tracks like It's a Drill. And when you listen to some of his work, the influence is pretty clearly there both in terms of lyrical content and style. It's early, and it's not exactly what you might think of when you think of Drill, but it's pretty fucking close. And Pac-Man hails from the Woodlawn neighborhood of Chicago, the same place where the Almighty P. Blackstone Nation was founded 50 years before. And specifically, he comes from a gang-defined territory called Dro City, which, much like Tukaville, is named after a dead member that went by Dro. It's kind of the same as how, like, O-Block is, like, an area that's defined by the drillers that live there, kind of. That's what I mean by gang-defined territory. It's almost like these people are immortalized through the name of the area kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And, like, yeah. Especially once they get named after dead members. And that's common. That's something that happens a lot. But, yeah, yeah. Gang-defined territory is just a space that is a set's turf. They've claimed it. If you're from Tukaville and you get caught in O-Block, there's gonna be trouble. And, like a lot of the sets that started putting out early Chicago drill, the people in Dro City around Pac-Man almost immediately jumped on the wave he was creating. Both for the love of the music and as a way to make their mark and distinguish their set from the rest of the gang scene. And this is where we see some of the earliest drillers start to come about. The proto-drillers, basically. These include dudes like Boss Wu and King Louie, both of whom were also a part of the Dro City set, as well as some iconic female drillers that helped form the scene, like Shady and Katie Got Bands, who also both claim Dro City, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. I think that I think that because they have tracks with Boss Wu and King Louie. But don't quote me. But I'm pretty sure it's all that kind of thing. Okay, if you're wrong, someone will be very angry with you online. So yeah, A lot of hate comments gonna... coming soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm ready for it. I've steeled myself. All 27 <laughs> of our listeners are going to be fucking fuming. No, it's okay. There's 29 followers now. We're up. Holy oh, shit. shit, going up, oh, going up, going up. Uh -huh. But apparently, towards the end of Pac-Man's life, 
he would start to advocate for peace within the city after having been a driller for pretty much his whole life. And apparently he even started meeting with community leaders to try to put an end to the violence. Unfortunately, the streets would catch up with him and he was killed at the age of 25. But his impact and influence would far outlive him. And with associates like Wu, Louis, Shady, and Katie keeping his spirit alive, Drill would take Chicago by storm. Does Wu, like, does that name, or whoever that is, have relation to, like, New York and Pop Smoke? It's two different things, because the Wu in New York is a... It's like an actual set. Yeah, Uh, I was just gonna say, they're a set, they're like a gang. Um, Yeah, okay. So King Wu was just... I'm sure there's some weird, like, interconnecting history that connects the term Wu to gangs just like from way back but i have no idea what it is i said up top i'm no gang historian why you asking me but anyways uh taking inspiration from pac-man and the Dro city set a 16 year old o-block native called chief keef would team up with fellow o-block claimy lil reese and prodigious producer young chop to help define the sound of drill to come and on march 11th of 2012 i don't like dropped and it's booming 808s, earworm hook, and infectious ad-libs made it an overnight viral sensation. This track, I Don't Like, really set the tone for Chicago Drill, and while the sound of it is a little hard to describe, because sound in general is a little hard to describe, in my opinion, some of the key elements include a relatively simple beat with a focus on menacing but catchy melodies, as well as deep, booming 808s, lots of ad-libs, and a relatively slower delivery that gets coupled with emotive vocal inflections to create a mean-sounding but simultaneously sort of fun flow that's both easy to follow and rap along with. And this is really just the sound of Chicago drill, because when it hit the UK, they would pick up that tempo a lot. But that's my, that's my synopsis of early Chicago drill. And, you know, obviously not all Chicago Drill sounds the same by any means, but I'd say at least a few of those elements can be found in the vast majority of Chicago Drill from that specific era. For sure, yeah. Even now, too, you could say some of, like, the new stuff, like, out of the first thing that comes to mind is um, Lil Durk's, like, that big collab album he had, what was it called? Only the Family? Still uses that old stuff. Still uses the old, like, flows and stuff. It sounds sick. Like, it's yeah, timeless. it's dope. It's a dope. It's a dope style for sure. Yeah. Anyways, seeking to capitalize off of the grassroots success of "I Don't Like," labels swarmed to Chicago, trying to exploit the artistry of any and every strap-toting teenager with a menacing delivery and a set to rep. And O-Block became ground zero for the mainstream drill wave, with artists like Lil Reese, Fredo Santana, and Lil Durk, whom all rep O-Block getting deals with major labels like Def Jam and Interscope. The labels weren't even close to being done, though, and from 2012 onwards, artists making drill music from all over Chicago started signing major deals. And just like that, drill was mainstream, and kids in tough areas all across the globe started seeing a potential way out through the music. One of the locales that would make use of this new sound to the greatest effect was the UK, and pretty soon, a thriving UK drill scene was on its feet and raring to take over the industry. 
Welcome to Brixton, I'm in the party with Barbies and drillers. The kickback mad on the spinner, I'll see enough man just run for my niggas. How to talk about dingers, they ain't got dingers, they ain't be cool now. In my opinion, the UK drill scene has taken drill music and completely given it new life. The energy, the sound, the fucking beats, and the flows, oh my god, like, it's fucking insane. Personally, I'm not the type to like this type of music. Nader knows this from growing up with me. I've always been a J. Cole, Kendrick, Drake, Cuddy fan. Really, anything more slow and melodic has always been my shit. Yeah, Mason and Nader have matching OVO owl tattoos on their asses. Ayo, pause. Yes, How would yes, you know that? How, wait, wait, wait. How would you know that? I said a booty pic. You don't, Yo. yeah. Yo, yeah. There's, the reason, there's a reason our group chat is on Snapchat. I thought yeah. you knew that. Right, fuck. Well, you don't remember that one night you got hella drunk and you were sending booty pics? I don't remember shit. Uh, allegedly. Evidently not. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Wow. Right, but, but getting getting back into it pretty much over a year ago this month uh i know that because my fucking uk playlist was all created in august so i know it was a year ago so happy anniversary to me but i found uk drill music and i don't know what happened but i just fucking fell in love with it like my top played songs from last year were all either uk drill or something from the uk so this episode is especially exciting for me because of how much time I've spent damaging my eardrums with 808 slides. Yeah, god damn, those 808 slides are fucking insane. They're so That's... fucking beautiful. Oh my god. For the UK scene, like they really kind of like set the tone for for the music there. Like it's it's crazy. I gotta get on with what's homie's name? Sage 2K, the dude who does our yeah, uh, outros. I gotta I gotta fucking get on with him and ask him how those are made because i'm gonna i'm gonna make a beat tape that's just that no melodies no drums just a whole bunch of 808 slides oh just 808 slides back and forth back and forth literally just the whole thing 40 minutes of it it would still go hard like i'd actually listen to that consistently <laughs> now chuck's already went over the origins of drill music and its roots around chicago and it was this chicago scene that directly influenced the uk drill scene obviously and it's actually super obvious when you go back and listen to the original UK drill music. The songs sound like Chicago drill songs, but with British accents. You can imagine how that's a little weird and it sounds like it hasn't really found its sort of home or lane yet. Yeah, I, guess I can see that being a little off-putting to people who are super into Chicago drill and they jump over to UK drill and it just sounds like... It's the same shit, just a different accent. Fredo Santana yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And this UK scene originated in South London, which has been known to be a rougher part of the city, uh, specifically Brixton back in 2012. And I won't say I loved this version of Drill because it sounded so much like Chicago Drill, but as we follow the evolution of the UK scene over time, you can distinctly hear how much it forms and becomes its own sound. But before we completely dive into the origins of UK Drill, I do want to mention Grime and Road Rap quickly because modern drill in the UK takes a lot from these genres. I do eventually want to do an episode on grime, so I won't go into a ton of detail, but basically grime is an evolution of garage, which both sit at 140 BPM normally, and some drill artists have taken this fast-paced rhythm and used it in their own music. Some of the pacing and cadence of the flows heard today are very reminiscent of grime music, and this is largely because many of today's artists grew up on grime music. So are we going to address the fact that you said garage? <laughs> yeah, because that's how it's pronounced. Is that how it's pronounced? 
Yeah, it's not. Actually, they say that shit in the UK. It's actually they say it. Yeah, it's oh, yo. Sure. Trust, trust me, trust me. It's not like it's not garage. Like they don't call it garage music. Like it's garage. Wasn't garage like its own thing? Like here. Yeah. Like, like, well, garage like... rock is like a fucking thing in yeah North America. But yeah, I mean, I'll trust you and assume you're not just doing a Drake thing mm, where you put no, on a weird no, 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 London no. accent. <laughs> But um no, like if, if you listen to people from America and shit, like people who are in the music industry talk like or reference back to that genre, like they say garage, like it's not garage. Okay, all right, word. So would you say that a lot of the lyrical content is the same between garage, grime, and UK drill? Like, is it the lyrical content or is it like the flows and the BPM, like you said? Like what what ties them together basically? Okay, so if I needed to tell you what garage it sounds like without actually playing it for you, from and there's a sort of a difference because there's like original like where like the origins of it, the beginning of it, and sort of what became popular in like mainstream. Okay, so think of what New York '90s rap sounds like. Okay, right. There's a lot of melodies, a lot of female voices you hear, a lot of those vocals that are sort of the beat you know what i mean like a little more soulful kind yeah of yeah of. exactly a little more soulful okay now take that and mix it with like a repetitive electronic beat oh like rave like uk uh, rave music kind of sort of not as crazy a little bit slower i would say but just okay. it, try to like imagine what that would sound like and in terms of lyrical content no like from garage to drill no completely fucking different drill oh. like you, you obviously talked about like what type of shit is being talked about in drill and it's garage is more i don't know laid back i guess more about like relationships about killing people and shit yeah no if uh, trust me if you talk about killing people in one of those beats it would sound hella weird okay okay i think yeah. i feel you so yeah. a little more like like a little more like more kind of almost like relatable in a weird way a little more traditional song topics like fucking mm -hmm. love and like Okay, I think I know. I think I know the kind of music that you're talking about. So is like is Dizzy Rascal like grime? Mm, or... Yeah, 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 grime. Okay, word. All right, I fuck with Dizzy Rascal. All right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, now I see. Now I know what you mean. Gotcha. Everybody, go listen to Baseline Junkie. I'll mention grime a few more times later on because it is super pivotal in the evolution of the scene in the UK. But now I want to dive into some of the original UK drill artists. And I think a good place to start would be the group 150, who come from an estate in Brixton. And for those who don't know what an estate is, it's basically just an apartment complex. Uh, 150 is credited with pioneering drill music in the UK. So an estate is basically the UK equivalent of those high-rise buildings that I was talking about in Chicago that the original Chicago gangs were, like, operating out of something, right? Something yeah. similar to that. Yeah, pretty much. Just like basically, like the projects type shit, right? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Exact yeah. Same shit. Exact same shit. Okay. Except that they call it an estate because everything sounds better. Yeah, everything sounds way bougie. The way they say shit, honestly, like it's crazy. Some members of this group are Stizzy, Sticks, Grizzy, M Dark, and Perm. I went back and actually listened to their early shit from 2012, and yo, it's super obvious that the Chicago influence is there. But it was another group called Six Seven who were actually known to have shifted that sound away from Chicago. So one, so would it be fair to say that like One Fifty are kind of like the UK equivalent to the Dro City dudes, like Pac Man and Boss Woo and Louie and them, like the originators, the proto drillers, 
And then 6-7 are kind of like the O-Block dudes in a sense. Like the guys that like popularized it, like Chief Keef and Lil Reese, like that kind of thing. Is that fair? Is that fair? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, if I said that 6-7 was sort of the group that created and started to shape the UK sound of drill, like, would that be, would that make sense in that yeah. comparison? Yeah. yeah, same as how Chief Keef and Young Chop started shaping the Chicago sound into what it would become. Okay, perfect. Yeah, spot on then. Real quick, when we talk about these genres in these episodes and their origins, I think it would be sacrilegious to not mention the producers during these times. So I need to bring up Carnes Hill and Quiet Peak. Yeah, I when I was doing my part, I kind of left a lot of that out in favor of getting some gang history in there because I felt like that was really important and it gave us a little bit more of a wide-reaching kind of base of understanding. But it's this it's very similar in Chicago. Like Young Chop was so fucking crazy influential, it's not even funny. And I gave him like a shout out, but I didn't like go into depth about it. And I'm probably wrong for that, but yeah, the the producers are always so important when it comes to shaping the sound of a genre. And the Chicago scene is no different. A bit off topic, but it's like still on topic. I feel like Young Chop has one of the most recognizable producer tags ever. Just because of Chief Keef and all the songs together. Like, you hear Young Chop? Young yeah, Chop bro, you beat. know it's going to be one of those songs. Yeah, okay, you know what I just learned? Jungle Beats Holla oh, Adam. Jungle Beats. Oh my god, I, I saw this, I saw this, I saw this. Jungle Beats yeah. Holla Adam. What the fuck is oh. that? That oh, blew me god. out of the water. I had no bro, idea. That I fucked me TikTok up. I was TikTok saying that shit. I was like, what the fuck is this? It's not Jungle Beats, it's Jalo. Who the fuck is Jalo? Yeah, and then I saw that TikTok, and then I saw that Jalil Beats got in the comments and put two shrug <laughs> emojis, and I was like, "What the yeah, I'd be hell?" I'd so pressed. Everyone's saying my producer tag wrong the whole fucking time. But he obviously doesn't care that much because he's Jalil Beats. He could have anybody he want redo that producer tag, and he's just like, "Okay, cool, whatever." I mentioned Six Seven as being one of the main artists to sort of help shape this sound, but these two producers are also widely considered uh, to be two of the main pioneers of the genre. They brought a new and fresh, unique style that steered the sound away from the Chicago influence. This production style takes a lot from Garage and Grime, so much so that it has been dubbed the new Grime. Although, from listening to both the genres intensely, I would definitely not call UK Drill yeah, the new Grime whatsoever, close. right? Like, I get why people would say this, but I just don't agree. Some of the pacing is similar, but the beats and cadence are a lot different. Yeah, and even the shit they talk about, like, yeah, Grime talked about hood shit too, but not to the extent that Drill does. Yeah, like, Grime was a lot more the best MC, yeah, yeah, yeah. King of the Mics type shit, whereas Drill is a lot more, like, gang-related, like, literally murdering people type shit. So. Grime was more like, fucking, I rap better than you, Drill is like, I kill better than you. Like, that's a fucking difference. So, do you think that specifically like we'll just say lyrics because lyrics, like okay. style is like a whole thing but do you think that lyrically uk drill is more influenced by uk grime than chicago drill is influenced by early american rap lyrically okay to answer your question no because lyrically grime and uk drill in terms of lyrical content are a lot different in terms of what they talk about. Yeah, different wavelengths. But you, I would say that Chicago Drill and, like, early Chicago Drill and early American Trap, I would say 
lyrically are closer in terms of what they're talking about in subject matter. Nader, would you agree? No, yeah, I'd fully agree. Because, like, American trap, like, early trap, like, like saying, like, T.I. Gucci Mane shit, they were talking very similar to what, like, you know, like, Chief Keef and shit were talking about. Like, mm-hmm. a bit less about the murder shit, you know? But they were talking about hood, hood life, hood shit, all that. And Grime is more like, I'm better than you at rapping and shit. And also, yeah, that's not all Grime was, but, like, for the most part, a lot of it was boasting, braggadocious, that type of shit. And Drill, like, UK Drill is also boasting and braggadocious and shit, but they're talking about drills yeah, they're, they're, different they're talking about murder yeah. and shit. Yeah, and that's uh, a good transition into my next point. So, people might be wondering what the difference is between Chicago Drill and UK Drill. Well, one of the biggest differences is the speed and pacing. Since UK Drill does take influence from Grime, which sits around 140 BPM, UK Drill is a lot more fast-paced compared to Chicago Drill. Yeah, I've noticed that too. Like, it's not not that it's fucking something that you need to look really closely at to see, but, you know, neither is better than the next, but if you put Chief Keef next to some of these, like, UK Drillers, he is, like, rapping at a snail's pace. And I'm kind of wondering... If that has anything to do with like the massive influence of trap on the drill scene in the US, which at its start was like a lot slower compared to UK drill and grime. Like if you think of like TI's 24s, that's a lot fucking slower than most grime music. So I'm wondering if they took the influence from trap music and kind of used that kind of speed and that kind of style. Like, I'll jump back to a sort of earlier point, but I think that the reason for that is, like, I think you're spot on, and the reason for that is, is because, if you think about it, when Drill came, or when Trap came, or when Grime came, and then UK Drill came, um, a lot of the current UK Drill artists, and then the current, or not even current, like, even when the genres originated, a lot of those artists, you know, in the Chicago scene, grew up listening to Trap music. Whereas a lot of the UK drill artists grew up listening to grime. So you can kind of see how since they grew up on that music, there's a lot of influence that they personally take from that. You see what I mean? Right. That makes total fucking yeah, and sense. Even um some like UK drill artists, like the OG ones, they also like transitioned from grime too. Like they were making grime music at first and then kind of found drill music and they're like, yo, why would I switch up my whole flow? Like if I already I'm going off like this. I'm going to keep going off like this. Just different sort of style. One thing I've also noticed is that autotune is a lot more present in American trap music and American drill as well. Whereas in the UK, you will rarely hear an intensely obvious autotune used by UK drill artists. And I think this is why, to me, UK drill sounds so refreshing. Yo, to all the listeners, Mason fucking hates <laughs> autotune. I, fucking okay, okay. Like... Yeah, yes and no because it, think about and this is so cliche everyone likes this this music but like travis scott uh, kanye west 808 heartbreaks type shit your auto-tune right all of it right yeah. i love that music yeah because that's their but i don't style. like yeah i don't like trap music that uses auto-tune for, i don't know Wait, why so you don't, don't like future though. i mean he's not my favorite do i like future oh. yes do i like some future songs yes is he one of my top artists in any category no 
<laughs> yeah, he definitely should be. That's fucked you up. Fuck I'll give shit on that for that, but it's just not my style. It just never has been. It's just something I never, never really liked. You've never been into auto tune. Yeah. That's why, like, I remember you, you always into like J Cole. Yeah. J Cole barely touches. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, like, like we said in the episode, right? Like that's what I listened to. I was never yeah. really into that. Well, that even shit. Drake doesn't touch it. There's much. a difference between super obvious. There's a difference between the way Future uses auto tune and the way that, like, for example singers use autotune because most artists like a lot of artists are using autotune but some of it is just like slightly adjusting if you just miss a note by a little tiny bit it'll put you on there and then some artists just like layer it on like syrup to create a whole vibe so i get what you're saying but i mean yeah, yeah it's it's hard to lump autotune into a whole ass category and just be like autotune bad because so yeah, many yeah. people fucking use it in so many different For ways. Sure. And I think I can sum up sort of what you said as there are artists who use autotune as a tool to help them in little ways, like you said, or there are artists who use it stylistically and it's a huge part of their music and that's why it's so obvious. So yeah, there is the difference totally there. Yeah. yeah. And diving back into this. I think another reason you won't find UK drill artists using autotune is because it is influenced by grime, which is based around a harsher delivery. Production-wise, UK drill also utilizes a sliding bass, aka 808 slides, hard-hitting kicks, and dark melodies. Yeah, I'd probably argue that a lot of US drill relies on really dark melodies too, or maybe menacing is like a better word. But yeah, I think that drill kind of across the board in their beats kind of intends to be mean and menacing. I think that's just like a part of the one of the few things that ties all drill across the world together under one umbrella is that menacing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's like a genre wide. Yeah, kind of they're yeah. meant to be mean. And another thing that makes drill unique is the flow of the pattern and the feel of the beat. So, more often than not, the beats are gritty and dark, like we had previously said, and you can really feel that aggression in the bass. The pacing of the hi-hats and the way the snare is used is also super distinct to the UK drill style. And from listening to the music, I'd say that the distinction of the sound is very similar to how grime is distinct in its own sense. Like, what I'm trying to say is that the way instruments are utilized is super unique to that genre. So, again, this point just emphasizes how important producers are to the evolution of these genres. Just like Trap, like our last episode when we did Trap, those producers and the equipment they were using, so important. It's facts. You you can't skip Mm. over it. And can I just say that the way artists use 808 slides and those hard-hitting kicks is insane. Like, I don't know what it is about UK drill artists, but their timing is fucking perfect. The pacing, the cadence, and the flow. It's crazy how well these artists use these beats. Like, I want to emphasize Dutchavelli, but before he became a fucking nonce, because he's a perfect example of an artist whose cadence on these beats is absolutely perfect. Doesn't that mean pedophile? Yes. Yes, sir. He's a fucking stinky little nonce. Yo, that Bando Diaries is like my favorite drill song. What the fuck? fuck is he actually a straight up pedophile Nidu. yeah Nidu, you yeah can that. bro the the story is just so fucked up because apparently he got caught like he was texting like you know sexting linking up with a 15 year old girl fuck. and he's like how old is he like fucking in his 20s yeah. he's like, either way doesn't matter. doesn't matter fuck. doesn't matter over eight. he's yeah. over 18 it's fucked and he was texting sexting whatever linking with this girl and stuff 
And also when all the shit came out, he fucking brushed it off. He was trying to play it off like it didn't mean shit. He's like, oh yeah, and what? Like that was basically his reaction. Yo. So he basically got canceled from like the whole UK scene. That's fucked, dude. No one fucks with him anymore. Well, yeah. But he made good music. Like he generally made good music. That's fair. I mean, if I wonder if he'll be able to pull a Michael Jackson and just like. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the thing. Why the fuck does Michael Jackson get a pass because he was such a big artist? I mean, it depends on who you ask. Oh, I feel like the more real. fans you have, the more fans that are willing to try to defend you and deny it, and also, like, the more people that are just going to be like, yeah, so what? Like, I think it depends on how big you are, because, like... Yeah, that's what people do with Drake. Yeah, that's that's fair. Whenever <laughs> some shit happens, there's always going to be a certain percentage of your audience that's like, nah, fuck that, I'm good. A certain percentage that's like, it never happened, it's bullshit conspiracy and a certain percentage that's like i don't care so the more people you have the more people are in each one of those percentages so i guess we'll see i guess we'll see but yo what's crazy with dutch is like i've never seen like yeah cancel culture huge big thing right fucking we all know about it and shit but i've never seen it work so officially on someone like it did on him like shit came out and nobody fucked with them and I haven't heard a word like, from he, him. He did post some music videos and put out songs after, but his numbers have just dropped. Like, dropped. Like, it cancel culture actually fucking worked on him. Yeah, I mean, cancel culture is a whole other topic. And to end off this point, to bring it back in, all I'm going to say is Michael Jackson is a kid named Blanket. Now, it would be impossible to talk about UK Drill without covering the controversy and media coverage that has impacted the scene there. Yeah, I kind of skipped that in the Chicago section. Like, like just like I did with the producers, so I'd have more time to cover the gangland. But the media was pretty shocked by Chicago Drill, too. And not just, like, the news media, but, like, also mainstream artists and shit, I remember, were, like, had a bunch of different reactions to it. Like, I remember uh, there's a Twitter interaction with Lady Gaga and Chief Keef, where he was like, uh, at Lady Gaga, I just named a song after you. And she replied, I'm so honored. This is the best Thanksgiving ever. You looked cute in your last Instagram. And he replied, DM me. And then on the <laughs> other side of that, Katy Perry tweeted, just heard a song called Hate Being Sober on the radio. What is this generation coming to? So like there, there was like, it was divisive both in like news media and just in general mainstream entertainment media and culture. Wait, can we, can we talk about Chief Keef's reply to that fucking tweet from uh, Katy that Perry? That bitch Katy Perry can suck skin off my dick? Is that what you're referring to? <laughs> oh, like he's so bold. Like he's so bold just for fucking tweeting that shit. But, and then, and then she backed down and then she like apologized because she was like, yeah. but like, it's, it's like what he said was mad misogynistic that's like a hundred percent a fact but at the same time the fact that she like even tweeted that and was like oh no people are talking about oh hey being sober blah 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 like i'm clutching my pearls right now what is this generation coming to and chief keith literally comes from an area where 13, 14, and 15-year-old kids shoot each other to death, and that was not the part that she was concerned about. It was his song about liking to smoke weed and, like, drink lean and, like, take molly. Like, that's the part that bothered her. It was like, I, well, it doesn't justify what he said, but it makes it way funnier. And talking about gang crime amongst youth, London has had a huge problem with knife crime and gang activity. Like, there's been a record number of stabbings, and a lot of these are among young people. 
I'll note that I learned a lot about this from the GRM documentary called Terms and Conditions, A Drill Story, which if you haven't seen, I highly recommend checking it out. Shout out Chuck for putting me on. I that was, was just super great. Say you're welcome. Yeah. yeah respects. Good. Good. Basically, so many young people are leaving home with knives on them because it's sort of become a thing on the streets there that it's better to be caught with it than be caught without it. And how many fucking times have we heard kids in Chicago say literally that exact same thing? Or kids in New York, kids in any high crime area in the whole fucking world, better to be caught with it than without it is a fucking motto. Because, like, it's the exact same thing. It's an identical mirror of anywhere with a lot of violence like it's better to get a jail term than to potentially lose your life or not have anything to defend yourself against someone who's trying to take your life right and kids would actually end up going out or are going out in bulletproof vests in fear that they might be stabbed the media there has actually tried to tie a lot of this to drill music and labeled it as a major cause of the violence happening there in london this is because there have been many occasions where young drill rappers were boasting in a music video about these stabbings and then later ended up serving time for that same murder. So you can imagine with all of these young people ending up either dead or in jail, a lot of parents are upset, mothers especially. And I don't know how many UK drill artists you guys are familiar with or if you have even watched many of these music videos, but when you do, you'll notice that tons of them wear masks or like balaclavas and stuff like that. This is actually because in the past, drill artists have put out music videos with their face showing. And since it got recognition, they would actually be targeted and killed. So because of this, many new drill artists will opt to cover their face. Some bigger artists still do this, like Meeks, who's not really a drill artist, uh, SR, who's definitely a drill artist, M. Huncho, who isn't really a drill artist, I think he does it more just for himself. At this point, would you say that just like wearing a balaclava or wearing a mask or whatever is kind of like become ingrained in the UK drill culture? Because that's not really mm. that much of a thing in Chicago drill. Like you might see somebody, you know, if they're you know, fucking rocking their colors on a bandana over their face, but most of those dudes go bareface. Yeah, no, in the UK, 100%. I watch a lot of these music videos, like, I'm on GRM daily every single night, so just watching new shit that only has a couple thousand views, blah, 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 but tons of these videos are just young kids who are pretty fucking talented, but, yeah, they're all masked up, covering their faces, hiding their identities type shit. And they'll rap about it, too, like, there's lyrics and shit saying, like, general shit about wearing masks and all that, uh, for the reasons that I recovered, but, yeah, it's definitely a general theme in that scene. How many artists in that scene do you think were grateful when masks got mandated by oh the UK my government? That's funny too. No, because I've watched some recent shit too, and there's there's like little jokes and there's little lyrics you'll hear in some of the more recent music that sort of ah, like Central C has a line. It's like uh, like wearing a mask like he's dodging COVID or some shit like that. I was yeah. just oh, gonna yeah, ask yeah, about yeah, that. Are there, are there any corny COVID bars about wearing a mask? But I you would think they're corny, but they come off pretty hard. I can't lie. At, if anything comes off hard with that fucking delivery. Those dudes, Bro, are yeah, fucking, right. They sound mean. They sound like they're gonna hurt you. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. But yeah, bring it back to more serious note. Many of those mothers have protested these music videos being on YouTube. So they've organized demonstrations outside of the YouTube HQ in London. And as a result, many drill music videos have been taken off of YouTube. And I mean hundreds. 
This has caused the drill community to be upset because these artists argue that drill music is not the cause of the violence, but rather it is a reflection of their environment. Yeah, I 100% agree. And like, I totally, not to disrespect like those people who are protesting at all, I understand exactly they're trying to do what they can. It's coming from a place of pain and trying to make shit better moving forward. But this is the exact same shit that happened with fucking gangster rap. A whole bunch of people were like, oh, gangster rap is causing violence, blah, blah, blah. And then for a while, it was super controversial in, like, mainstream media, and it wouldn't air on, like, mainstream media music stuff. And then, you know, over time, it just kind of became accepted. But the thing is that it's not... How much backlash was there to gangster rap when that was first hitting the mainstream music scene? And how much did that do to actually stop violence in gang territories, basically? Like, all the way back in what? Like, the fucking 90s? Like, people were upset about Ice-T and, like, N.W.A. rapping about the shit that they saw going on around them. Cut to now, the violence is just as bad or worse than it ever was. Censoring the artists doesn't stop the violence. I just want to say that. Yeah, exactly. It is a reflection of their environment. Exactly. And I think that phrase, reflection of their environment, is something you hear now and again when talking about the aggressiveness of music that deals with gang life and crime, but I don't think people really stop and think about what that means. Like, in its truest sense, it is a reflection of what's going on. Many of these artists are showing you a mirror of what they see and experience on a day-to-day -day basis being where they're from. I know it's sort of a random point, and I thought it was important to bring up, so people can stop and think about what that really means. A more thought-provoking example of this would be Drill Minister, who, have you guys heard of him? Nah, not until you brought him up. Yeah, you know, okay, yeah, I, about him before. yeah. I he was brought to my attention in that JRM documentary, but um, he actually has made countless records that have been super, super political. Um, he has made songs calling out government officials, highlighting issues in his neighborhoods that are being ignored, or even talking about the poor air quality in the country. Like, he even has a song called Choke that directly addresses that. Yeah, he's he's talking about like he's getting right to the heart of the shit that's actually causing so much of the shit. It sounds like, at least. Exactly. And before I finish up talking about the controversy of the genre, I want to highlight a quote from Fact Magazine by Drill producers M1 on the Beat and MK The Plug, both fire producers, by the way. It reads, Drill is this generation's furious response against the conservative government's declination of state support for the most vulnerable communities under austerity. For the more intense listeners, it is easy to see and understand the scrutiny and rough environments the local drill scene has had to endure. Not, I'm going to try not to rant, but I'm going to rant for a second. This is something that has always been a fucking problem. Like, governments, and especially conservative governments and conservative interest groups and conservative special interest groups, love to use music and art in general as a scapegoat to distract away from the severe lack of positive change or regulation that they're actually bringing to major issues that they claim to care about. They claim to want to end gun violence and want to end this or want to end that, but they really fucking don't. So they point at music and they point at art and say that's the problem because it's so much easier to point at art and say these artists are a problem and they're causing violence so we need to censor them than it is to actually go into the deep complex interconnected socio-economic race-related issues that are genuinely causing the violence 
in these communities. Like, there are so many reasons that this shit happens. Stuff like, you know, in America, the severe lack of, of, of reason-based gun control and health, like, supports for mental health and stuff like that, and free mental health care for people who are going through trauma and dealing with all this shit. I guess to some of what I want to say is that poverty breeds crime, and it breeds violence, because if you have nothing, you need something to live, to eat. So you're going to go out and you're going to find a way to get something. And if that means you have to steal and you have to rob and you have to do whatever, that's what's going to happen. So the poverty breeds the violence and then the violence breeds more violence because people are getting get back on the people who, you know, committed the violence against them. And if you're any regular person living in this kind of environment where you see violence around you every single day, you're either going to start to emulate it because that's what people do when you grow up. You emulate the environment that you're growing up in because that's how humans learn and grow as humans. That's just how human nature is. Or you're going to go out and find ways to defend yourself because that's what any reasonable fucking person would do. If you're growing up, if you're 10 years old and you watch your 16-year-old brother get shot in the head at a bus stop, you're going to fucking learn. You're going to think to yourself, there are people out here that will shoot me in the head and kill me and I can't let that fucking happen. I have to provide for the people around me. I have to whatever. I have to fucking survive. So you're going to go out and you're going to do whatever it takes to fucking survive and protect yourself. So don't ever believe any government official or special interest group or whatever who says they want to end violence in the UK or the US or anywhere else. And they say that their way of ending the violence is to censor art and to censor artists because that's bullshit. All they're doing is pointing at a group of people that it's really easy to fucking suppress and censor and saying that's the problem because they're so easy to suppress and censor when in reality they don't want to deal with the unbelievably complex issues that a lot of times their political groups have in the past helped to create, you know, these terrible situations. They don't want to fucking deal with that or look at that. So they say, we want to end the violence, and we're going to do that by censoring artists, and that is a flat-out fucking lie. And they know it, and fucking we know it, everybody knows it. Don't ever trust anybody who talks about that shit saying we're going to end violence, but they're not going to talk about ending social inequality, or cycles of trauma, or cycles of abuse, or poverty, or any of that shit. They're fucking full of it. Don't trust them. I'm sorry, that's the end of my rant. That shit, ooh, that shit just gets under my fucking skin. Well said, sir. Round of applause. Round of applause for Chuck. That was. I can't yeah. add anything. We can't add anything onto that. Like yeah, you just I said could. everything. I'm not. My mic's not even gonna yeah, pick up. You won't pick up. Clapping, 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 clapping. Like, It's facts, yeah. though. Well said. Well said. Big facts. All right, and I want to end my portion on a more lighthearted note. Not to take away from what you said. That was great. No, no, but, no. Um, currently, it seems as if the mainstream scene is in a really good place. Since I'm pretty sure uh, drill is like the biggest genre in the UK right now. And I want to just touch on some prominent artists that have been big in the scene over time, such as 6-7, like we'd previously brought up. K-Trap, Skendo, and AM, Dig Dot, SL, Abracadabra, Lowski, and Hetty One, who is arguably one of the biggest drill artists, although he doesn't call himself a drill artist. And since I brought up Hetty One, I do want to say that I think... The only you freestyle with Drake was one of the best songs of last year, which is definitely a hot take. But 
I also want to say that I think that collab may have created a more international spread since Drake is such a prominent artist. Like, Chuck, I know you're not a big fan of Drake, but whether you like him or not, numbers don't lie. Let's see those Drake tattoos, fanboys. <laughs> Put them asses on cam. Let's see it. Yo, real quick, Drake, don't fucking speak Arabic again. Please, do not. Just don't. Avoid it. Yeah. You're not good at why, it. Why did it? Explain. Explain, explain why you fucked up when you said that. Bro. It's Google Translate Arabic. That's all I gotta say. Google Translate uh, Arabic. What? So just it it just didn't this mean shit. shit, or like it just was said wrong. It's it's literally like fucking broken English, just broken Arabic. Like I showed it to my fucking mom. Showed it to my dad. By the way, guys, I'm Arab. Obviously, that's why I'm very passionate about this. Um, showed it to my mom. Showed it to my dad. My dad slapped me first of all for showing him rap music. Uh, he does not like rap music. Um, showed it to my mom. I was like, what is he trying to say? And I'm, I like pulled up the genius thing and showed her. She's like, why, why the fuck did he say it like that? Like, there's so many different ways he could have said that and it would have sounded way better. And instead he chose that. She was kind of just saying that he fucking just doesn't know how the fuck to say it. So yeah, you fucking like when you oh, run like an English, like when point. you run an English sentence through Google Translate through like four languages and then bring it back to English and it's like something that's like, Vaguely it's going. ineligible. I got in trouble in fucking French class for fucking Google translating my shit into French. Like, why the fuck could, can't? Hey, yeah, he's got millions of dollars at his disposal. He can figure. No, it out. also his motherfucking producer Noah Forty Shabib is a fucking Lebanese man. <laughs> Ask him, bro. He speaks fucking Arabic, or at least his mom does, or something. Like, That's come on. So I'm so curious. I'm so curious what the conversation would have been when he was like going over that bar. With, like, happened to be there. There's no way 40 didn't hear it before, like, went out. Like, what the fuck? Oh, for sure. 40 probably executive and he's just like, yeah, that's cool. Fuck it. It doesn't really mean it. It doesn't make sense, but yeah, fuck it. Whatever. Whatever. That's all right. You're Drake. It's cool. But no, fucking. Like, fuck it. Publish it. Fucking speaking of Drake, uh, this is not, I don't think that's the first time that he's co signed uh, a drill artist either, because I'm pretty sure he co signed the Harlem Spartans before. And then outside of Drake, I know that Kanye did a thing in the UK where he brought out, I think it was Skepta that he brought out. I could be wrong about that. Yeah. But then he brought out a bunch of just like UK drillers and like roadmen in general on stage. And then aside from all of that, we would be remiss not to bring up Deshine with ASAP Rocky and Skepta because that was like one of the biggest songs the year it came out. So all that just to say... There's been a lot of love for UK rap and drill in the past couple of years from uh, North American Ooh, artists. Also, um, one thing I also do want to bring up, like, since we were talking about Drake and how, like, Drake also kind of put, like, you know, shown his light onto the drill. His song War is produced by Axel Beats, who's huge in the UK. So that also added on a lot. Yeah, to they've him. been getting mad love. Yeah. They've been yeah. putting up numbers in the. They've been putting up numbers in North America too. So shout out them. Yeah, bro. And speaking of numbers, Unknown T. Who do you guys know? Who Unknown T is Nader. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Chuck, you know, though. Okay. Yeah. Unknown T was actually the first drill artist in the UK to chart, reaching number forty-eight with his track "Homertown B." Unknown T also doesn't see himself as a drill artist, but I think these big artists don't want that label, and they don't want to label themselves drill artists because of what the media there will label them and sort of put negative connotations on them. Drill in the UK has obviously blown up and become a huge force there, but it has had lots of influence internationally. And actually, Unknown T just hit number eight with his latest album, so 
Big up Tim, congratulations. Uh-uh, big up unknown T, my guy. Uh, and internationally, there are also drill scenes that are directly influenced by the UK. In Ireland, the Netherlands, Australia, and of course, New York City. Where artists like Pop Smoke and Fabio Foreign are advancing the sound and creating a larger buzz for their scene. Baby, welcome to the party. Uh, I'm off the Myers in the lead. That's why I'm over retarded. That's why I'm over retarded. Baby, welcome to the party. Uh, I hit the boy up. Alright, baby, welcome to the party. Now, it's my turn to talk my shit, and I'm talking about the drill rap, the drill shit that came out of New York City. Specifically Brooklyn Drill, because Brooklyn Drill is really the originating point of where drill kind of got popularized in New York City. Now, Brooklyn Drill existed before the big players that we think of now tied to the Brooklyn Drill scene. Now, Bobby Schmerder's song, Hot, you guys know the second word, I don't have to say it, because I'm not allowed. That song, banger, amazing song. It fits all the criteria to be considered a drill song. The subject matter of the song fits the Chicago and the UK type of vibes, talking about violence, gang shit, murdering shit. Bobby Shmurda and the whole squad, GS9, had a bunch of drill songs that ended up charting and getting widespread attention. But honestly, at the same time, people didn't really tie Shmurda's music with the Chicago drill scene and kind of just lumped it into gang rap, right? They kind of thought thought about it as trap. Yeah, did that song... I don't remember. Did, did Bobby Shmurda... Like, did his tracks before he went into prison, did they use, like, UK-style drill production? Or were they, like... No, no, no. It was more, like... It more was, like, trap vibes with drill content kind of thing. Like, it was trap beats using drill, like, murder rap kind of oh, thing, like how okay. Chicago would talk about, like... Their drill stuff, it was that kind of vibe. Gotcha. So that was, that was early. Was that was like, what, 2014? That's early. That's 2014. Yeah, so that's kind of what yeah. separates him from the artists like... Pop Smoke and shit like that. Yeah, yeah Pop Smoke and stuff. So yeah, that was 2014. And also his whole album, I, I actually, I think it's more of an EP. Really solid. Like, really good. A lot of people didn't really give it love. They listened to Hot, you know, and um, Computers. Computers, crazy song. That's like a drill song even though it's not the same production as we're talking about. But yeah, his whole EP there was drill music. Now, new to me, as in I just learned this, 22Gs and Chef G became huge before the rise of Pop Smoke. I didn't really hear their names until like I started listening to Pop Smoke. But 22Gs, he dropped Suburban in 2016 and then Suburban Part 2. Uh, that was in 2017. And we all know uh, Suburban Part 2. That one's really fucking big. Suburban, amazing song. And then Chef G, he came back and dropped No Suburban Part 2 in 2017. And they were kind of the first ones really using UK kind of beats, right? Because I'm not sure who produced it. It's either 808 Mellow or Axel Beats. They produced one of them. And that was kind of like where you kind of saw the UK influence come over. And these two songs, as I said, started to heavily bring in the UK vibes, especially with the 808 slides and the, the pace that they were going. You know, the 140-ish BPM. That's characteristics of UK drill, and you could kind of see it jump in the pond, kind of. Yeah, thing. absolutely. And like from what I understand, um, when I was doing my research, Twenty Two G's is like in particular is basically like the father of the Brooklyn New York drill scene as we know it now. Like how it's so heavily influenced yeah. by UK shit. He kind of started that. He got that popping off, and I have. Also heard that the TikTok famous track Whoopty by CJ is based <laughs> on Suburban Part 2 to the point where I've heard some music commentators literally call Whoopty a uh, shitty 
22 G's karaoke. So. <laughs> no, like, quite literally, it is a poor man's version of Chef G. Like, that's what Whoopty is. They, like, CJ fully stole, like, same lyrical context. All, context all he stole that the stuff. lingo, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, something I recently found out. CJ is not even from... Uh, He's Brooklyn. from Long Island. Yeah, Staten, he's from Island. Staten Island. Is that it? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's right. Just taking the vibe and stuff. Yeah, because. But yo, you know what? I saw Fat Joe was on like an Instagram live from him, and he's like, "Oh, yo, whereabouts in Brooklyn are you from?" And he was like, "Oh no, I'm from Staten Island." And then a bunch of people were in the comments like, "Fat Joe just g-checked CJ, and he didn't even know what happened." <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. Nah, CJ, CJ, he's something else, yo. Fucking, yo, whoopty though, when, you know, before I got overplayed, good song, won't lie. But anywho, now I want to get into the main event, and that is Bashar Jackson, rest in peace, Pop Smoke. Little tangent real quick, the label disrespected him by dropping Faith with the most random fucking features I've ever seen. Like, why the fuck is Dua Lipa doing a fucking pop song with Pop Smoke? For what reason? Also, Two Pusha T verses, and you couldn't land one. One couldn't be decent. Sorry. Anyways, back to Pop Smoke. I'm a huge fan, so I may boost them way too much. So be prepared. Yeah. No, it's it's tough. Like, we should do a side episode about posthumous releases and just, like, discuss it. But yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm with you. Because I know that there's, like, a difference between, like, there's a difference between releasing music from artists that's fully completed like some artists like prince when he died had fully completed albums just like in the vault and his estate were releasing them and there's a debate to be had about whether or not that's okay but from what i heard about the posthumous pop smoke album it was basically just like random snippets and cuts that they like linked together and put features on to turn into full songs and um something i found out today watching a tiktok Someone from uh, Pop Smoke's camp literally said that they're out of Pop Smoke I music. I saw that too. Yeah. There's nothing else that's in the vault. Fucked. Yeah, that's it. That. Which is fucked. Which like I get it with Pop Smoke because he was still like a new artist. Like he had two albums before he passed away, so it makes sense. But it's fucked up that they already exhausted everything, and he's been dead for like a they year now. That shit so fast. They milked it too fucking and, fast. And like, if there's that little music, then either don't. Like, don't put it out, or, like, put it out over the course of, like, five years just to keep his name ringing. Yeah, put it out Like, slowly. don't drop it all at once, fucking, while his name's hot in the streets, just to get all the money that you can out of it. But whatever, whatever, that's Exactly. Fun. Also, like, why was the album 20 songs? Anyway, fucking, we can get into that on a different yeah. episode. Back to Pop Smoke. So, Pop Smoke was basically the bridge, right? If you could imagine a bridge spanning from London to Brooklyn, he is that bridge. He is holding it up. So he first of all brought the UK sound over to New York and kickstarted the culture. The second bridge he made was the underground NY drill scene to the mainstream. Also, huge shout out to Axel Beats. That boy is different. The way he works Fruity Loops or whatever software he uses, just crazy. Pop Smoke first started experimenting with UK beats when he found one of Axel Beats' instrumentals on his YouTube. And he used that instrumental that he found to record his first song that is on Spotify. He probably definitely had some songs before, obviously, they played around with, called NPR, which Money Power Respect. Crazy good song, especially as his first experiment into drill. It's insane that he dropped that just off the rip. And after that, he dropped Flexin using an 808 Mellow Beat. He loves UK beats, obviously. 
And Adoy Mello also deserves a massive shout out because he produced for a bunch of New York drill artists and heavily worked with Pop Smoke. Adoy Mello and Pop Smoke really gained notoriety with Welcome to the Party, arguably Pop Smoke's most famous song. Getting remixes from Grime and in general, UK music legend Skepta and even a Nicki Minaj feature, solidifying that New York validity. It kind of feels to me, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels to me like the Brooklyn, New York drill scene and the UK drill scene are way closer to each other and have way more crossover than the Chicago drill scene and the UK drill scene. Because I haven't seen, like, a lot of, like, UK drillers that really get on, like, a Young Chop beat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas in Brooklyn and New York, they're just, you. like, working together. Yeah. Or Brooklyn and UK. No, that's yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, the only, like, real thing I would say where Chicago Drill kind of connected with Brooklyn was Bobby Shmurda. Because that was, like, the same kind of, like, because Bobby Shmurda's flow is slow, kind of like Chicago mm. Drill is. And also, like, you know, talk about the same shit. But, like, after that it really just skips Chicago, goes straight to using UK kind of like influences. Right. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, but but UK and Brooklyn, they're like clicked up apparently. Yeah, they're like in a happy marriage together basically. So back to Pop Smoke. So he kept flying and flying, right? After Welcome to the Party, Dior came out. Fucking, when the brand Dior fucking hits you up and sends you shit, you know you did something right. Also, that song has been dropped every fucking album he ever has, which is kind of annoying. But you know what? You get your streams in. And then the train continued with him dropping Meet the Woo 1 and 2, getting some pretty big name features on both, and eventually getting a Travis Scott feature, or technically he featured on Travis Scott's song, Gotti, off of the Jack Boys album, which is what is like top three most streamed song. Amazing song. Fucking lit. At this point, Pop Smoke is in the mainstream. He is the new big thing, not only in New York, but in the entire American music scene. Now, sadly, he passed away super fucking young, and there's literally no way of telling how high he could have reached. Even with his first posthumous album, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon, you could see that he wasn't just limited to drill beats, but also could use his voice on literally anything he wanted to. It's just, it fucks me up, because Pop Smoke, it just feels like the past little bit, there's been... St- so many young artists just like fucking dying randomly and like tragic shit and like pop smoke just felt like one of the more recent ones in this massive lineup and like the shit just fucks me up dude like i was a huge little peep fan i i like juice world like i didn't mind x like it just fucks me up i like some of pop smoke songs like it just fucks me up to see that happen over and over and over because like shit there used to be the 27 club like dudes are dying at like 20 like 19 now. yeah like, what the stupid fuck? ass young like younger than us like, it's... even nipsey hustle like just got killed what nipsey hustle passed pretty ago. young fucking Big fucking Chicago drill artist, uh, King Von, shot up in in Atlanta. Like it's fucked up. Like it's really fucked up. Like the music scene has gone really toxic with that shit. Like people are just getting gunned down left and right, or overdosing, passing away. Like it's just. I was gonna say, like it feels like it feels like the two big scenes that have really lost some major players at a really ridiculously young age are drill and emo rap and i think it's drill definitely it's just dudes getting straight up shot down and shit like that and emo Mm -hmm. rap because dudes keep fucking overdosing and like just passing away from that shit and i don't know like 
you might have to cut all that, but I just wanted to get that off my chest because that shit's been weighing fucking heavy on me. It's like, damn. Yeah. Like, what, what? You're watching these scenes develop, and you're watching major players finally break into the mainstream from these scenes that you're boosting for and, like, repping for so hard, and then suddenly, boom, like, they're gone, and you're like, damn. Yeah. Well, think about it, like, the UK, a lot of these artists, the young artists coming up are masked up, so people don't know who they actually are. So. Yeah, facts. Like it's it's sad. Like it's sad, but it's a reality, right? So even the way they also call pop smoke was so fucked up. Like the way the guys killed him. Like if you guys don't know the story, basically he fucking was like posting a bunch of gifts that he got on his um Instagram, and he was staring at he was staying at like an Airbnb in L.A. And one of the gifts is like showed his address. So he's fucking waste man. So, like pure pieces of shit ran up on him, tried to rob him. He came out with a gun. They shot him dead. Jesus. That's so fucked. People fucked, fucked up, bro. Anyway, so I did go on a bit too much about Pop Smoke. Apologies, but he really was the one to bring New York Drill to a nationwide and even global light. And also, just as I said before, bridge the UK and bring it to Brooklyn. Pop Smoke proved the UK style could work in the US, and he spread its influence throughout New York. Five Yo Foreign, Chef G, 22Gs, who are also like the OGs and they were already doing it. But you know, Pop Smoke kind of showing the light on them even more. Lil TJ, Ross Wish, Busy Banks, Sleepy Hollow, and a bunch of upcoming artists have really took both Chicago Drill and UK Drill and made a beautiful, beautiful fucking combo out of the two. Also, very quick, Chef G, Sleepy Hollow, crazy combination. Like, they work together a lot, make some great music. So, low-key Brooklyn Drill could be summed up, in my words, as the lyrical content and energy of Chicago Drill and the beats of UK rap. Mixed with also, you know, the trap influences that all, like, modern American rap kind of has. I think that pretty much sums it up. Those are kind of just what we consider to be the big three, quote-unquote, drill scenes. So that's what we decided to cover. But as Mason mentioned earlier, there's drill scenes everywhere. I mean, I would even go so far as to say that there's a drill scene on every fucking continent in the world. I've seen drill scenes Australia, New Zealand, Africa, Italy... Like, it's everywhere, and it just, it keeps blowing up. It keeps steadily picking up steam, and it has been since 2010. So, I think it's going to be crazy to see where the genre goes and how it evolves. Like, what will drill look like in 2050? Will it still be around? Will it be the new standard? Will drill be the new fucking trap? Like, that's, I don't know, corny, but that's my question. I'm saying, though, that what's popular in America sets the precedent for what is mainstream. And Shout out Ameri- cultural imperialism. Facts. And if Americans could get over that UK accent, which I don't understand why that, that stops oh, them from liking the music, but if, if they bro. could get over that, bro, UK drill would be one of the biggest genres on earth. Yo, I fully, I do not get it. Because, like, Canadians don't mind it. Like, cause mostly because, like, you know, we have, like, Toronto culture and uk culture has a lot of ties mostly because of like you know the caribbean population they kind of connect right so uk i mean toronto people never had really a problem with it but americans especially on fucking tiktok and the goddamn comments saying oh how the fuck do i listen to fucking prince charming accent all this shit bro it's an accent you listen to the shit they are scarier than any fucking suburb you're in bro like relax it's just an accent and it sounds dope and i don't know why the fuck they can't get it's ridiculous like when I said that too, it, like the UK drill scene does not need to be big in America to be big, right? Like, 
Yo, it dominates it the UK, and I think for that, like, yo, perfect, good. Like, it gets it gets the recognition yeah. that it should get. And if it was big in the US, cool, that's cool too. But it isn't, or not, it's not as big as it could be, and that's fine because it is big in the UK. So I mean, if people don't want to fuck with it, people don't fuck with it. But in my opinion, it's bro, it's like top tier drill music right now. But like, I feel like it'll definitely start like crossing the pond and becoming more popular, especially with. Like pop, like you know, all UK drill. I mean, uh, Brooklyn drill using a lot of UK beats and stuff. It's already crossing the pond in that way. And then also you have, you know, a lot of collabs between uh, Brooklyn drill artists and UK drill artists. And also you have like you know people like Drake and shit shining a light. Because even Drake, he worked with Hetty One, and then also worked with um, Sosa Greek and Fabio Foreign on the song. So kind of you know sharing the light now. So hopefully it starts actually crossing the pond you know, efficiently and effectively. Like, Drill's getting his flowers, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's getting the attention, it's blowing up, there's more artists jumping on it. Like, we're now in, it's, it's sad to say, but we're now in this sort of post-pop smoke era in the States, or in, in New York. Yeah. Um, and I, like, obviously, super sad that he's gone, but I do think for, in terms of the music and the culture, it's exciting to see where it will go from here. Yeah, and who the new players are going to start being. 100% agree. And... On that note, I think that's pretty much the end of our second episode. But before we do the shout-outs and do all the, you know, thank you so much for tuning in, don't leave just yet, because I want to give a little teaser for uh, an upcoming episode-slash-side series we have going. Uh, moving forward, we're going to be doing some more relaxed episodes that are a little less structured and a little more informal, where we kind of just discuss topics that we like and thoughts about culture and stuff like that. It's all still going to be cultural stuff. It's all still going to be culturally relative. But on the upcoming episode we have of that, Mason and Nader have put together a two and a half hour Drake playlist for me to listen to. And we have a bet going currently where I have put together a list of my top 25 favorite rappers, and if at the end of this playlist, any of those rappers get knocked out of my top 25 by Drake, I am going to eat a cricket, a live cricket, on mic and on camera, and that's going to be going up on the Instagram and all that shit. But if my top 25 remains untouched, then Mason and Nader will each be doing a verse off of Hotline Bling after hitting a helium balloon. I just wanted to shout that out because that's going to be really fun. I have listened to the full playlist. You two guys are just finding that out now, but I have listened to the whole playlist. But I'm not going to say I'm not going to say where I stand now because I'm saving it for that episode. So if you want to potentially see me eat a cricket, if you want to potentially hear Mason and Nader do awful Drake impressions while on Helium. <laughs> the next episode is going to be the thing for you, and that'll be up on our Instagram anyways. So, like I said, thank you all so much for tuning in. It really does mean the world. If you want to reach out to us and keep up with uh, Cricket Eating and Helium Hits, you can follow us on Instagram at HowTheFCKPod on Instagram, or you can hit us up via email at HTF dwghpod at gmail.com that's the first letter of every word of the podcast title followed by pod at gmail.com htfdwghpod at gmail.com and shout out sage 2k of course our producer or my producer friend who made our uh 
intro. I forgot to mention that in the last episode, I'm pretty sure. So big shout out to him. Yeah, uh, huge shout out to him. Huge shout out to at Dickhead on Instagram. She does all our art for us. That's also my partner. So massive shout out her. Um, if you have any corrections for us, you want to send us some love mail, some hate mail. You want to tell Mason he's stinky. You can do all of that uh, via Instagram. Smelly. Yeah, keep talking, bro. You we have smelly. all of that. <laughs> we can do all of that via Instagram or the email, whatever you want to do. Just hit us out. And uh, before we leave out, I do want to give a shout out to our sources. So most of my research came from uh, a lot of it came from Traplore Ross. Shout out him. If you've heard of us, you've probably already heard of him. But if for some reason you haven't, you have to go check him out. He's the fucking bomb. I got a lot of my research from his video, uh, Gangs of Chicago, BDs versus GDs, as well as Chief Keef did not invent drill music. And then a lot of the information that I got about Pac-Man came from Chirac Street Legends episode 74 by Street News TV, as well as a couple random trap Wikipedia articles and shit like that. So shout out Street News TV if you're big on Chicago gang history, you gotta go check that dude out. He's bomb. Of course, GRM Daily, as Mason was already saying, the uh, documentary, go give that a fucking peep. Sir. And uh, yeah, anything else, any other shout outs we got going on? Hey, Bobby Shmurdo for fucking governor. Fuck <laughs> Andrew Cuomo. Bobby, Bobby Shmurdo for governor. Fuck out of here with all that. Yep. Post Cuomo. Fuck Cuomo. <laughs> and uh, yeah. She says no, you gotta go. And I think that's it, y'all. Stay tuned. Follow us on Instagram if you want to see what's going on with our relaxed episodes, our informal episodes. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be posting this as soon as we can. Shit's going to be keeping on, keeping on. And sorry for the late release on this. We tried to record it in person, and uh, Mason shit his pants. So we all had to leave the studio, and we had to get the carpet steam clean. It was crazy. It was disgusting. Piss on the floor, Chuck threw up on me. Wild. Real classy, man. Real classy. Oh, you had explosive diarrhea on your desk. It was desk. crazy. All right. Thank you for tuning in. We're all grown adults. Thank yeah, you all for yeah. listening. Yeah, and we will. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. Please come back soon. Peace out, y'all.